This episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. DragRaceLawyer.com, legal help on and off the track. Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com is a longtime drag racer with over 25 years of experience in small business to large corporate legal work. For all your high-powered legal needs, get DragRaceLawyer.com. Seriously, when you have a legal problem, you need a lawyer that understands you as a person. So get the lawyer that understands who you are. Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drivers. I'm your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Hey, it is episode number five. It is the third week in May. I am sitting in Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Um, and just as a sidebar, so this is a busy week here in Indy. Uh, not necessarily for drag racing like it will be for the big go, but uh, just for the city. And I've said this for a long time. If you live within 250 miles of Indianapolis, you need to drive here for two nights a year, uh, at least once in your life. One is to see the Indy 500, to see a half a million people gather around for a motor sporting event. And the other thing is Friday night qualifying at the big go. You just do. You got to do that like once in your life. You don't have to do it every year. You don't have to do it um, all the time, but you need to see it one time in your life. It is a perspective that you can't get. It's uh, like Friday night qualifying under you know the stars at the big go. The 500 is an event. And you know what? If you live outside of 250 miles, get on a plane. It's worth it. It is an experience, a uh, life you just need to see one time. There are people from all over the world that are interested in this thing and really rally around it and have for 103 years. So uh, do that. Um, but um, outside of that, that's uh, just a personal take of mine. Listen, um, clean the shop, uh, do the commute, mow the yard, whatever it is that you do uh, while you're listening to podcast, we have an absolutely monster episode for you today. We have crashes. We have some education. We uh, will get you up to date on some historic results um, from over the weekend and then the standings. We have um, just two really accomplished guys. Uh, one, Jerry Albert. He is um, your Division Three top sportsman champ. He will join us today. And then Ron Finney from Renegade Fuels. Uh, he will join us to talk the science of fuels and what we put in the car. So, but, uh, before we get into that, before we get to today's show, get at me uh, at Fast Brackets on Twitter. Follow us. You'll know when the latest episodes drop. You can also do the same thing if you like the Fast Brackets podcast page on Facebook, or you know if you just want to be um, have an idea, thought, you want to send curse words or compliments, uh, send an email fastbrackets at outlook.com. Hey, this is episode number five. Here we go.
All right, let's uh, make a pass here. Let's uh, put it in the water box for the hot topic of the day. Um, and uh, I will make this – this will get pretty personal this week. It doesn't always. It typically won't be. But this week is um, – we want to talk about safety gear, keeping it up to date, and just staying alert in general. So a little bit about uh, my racing program. I spent some time, uh, money, energy over the winter – in getting my bracket car um, just put back together. It had, you know, it had some old fiberglass. It needed new Zeus fasteners. It needed some reorganization and engineering to make it just an easier application at the track. And so I spent some time, money, um, a lot of thought process getting that done over the wintertime. Had the car repainted. It looked unbelievable. Had an issue early in the season so I didn't get to make a pass took it out this weekend I was really fired up to make some passes in it and off the trailer uh, finally got the engine where I wanted it made a pass um, 566 which is right where I thought it would be it was good Um, followed that up with a uh, 566 with a two so I was excited where the car was at I went to make the third pass of the the weekend before eliminations and for whatever reason, I did not get the fuel cap tightened. Um, and like a lot of us, my fuel tank is in the front. So I launched uh, about 100 feet down. Um, once the tires came back down, it kicked fuel out onto the track. Got underneath my slicks. It sent me into a 90-degree left-hand turn. And you guys might be surprised to know that I do not have turn signals on my car, so that I made an illegal left-hand turn from the right-hand lane into the left-hand lane and right at the restraining wall. I was able to uh, corral it a little bit and um, kept it from going uh, head-on collision, got it uh, turned around, but it did kiss the wall. So first weekend out, before I even made it to eliminations with my brand new pretty painted car, I mucked it right up. And I mucked up the left fender, the driver's side door, the driver's side rear quarter, and um, of course all the things that go with the the braces and brackets and all the stuff that uh, go with that. So I am um, decidedly disappointed with myself and um, very fortunate that there was nobody in the left lane that I could have corralled with me um and i was able to save it you know i think had i been a little younger had been uh you know my when i used to play basketball all the time i think my reaction time was a little quicker than what it is today so i think five years ago i maybe a would would have been able to save the whole thing and not put it up against the wall but as in general terms for um an incident like that i was able to save it for the most part and you know, did not hurt myself, um, did not hit the frame of the car, did not hurt any of the motor train, and just made some more work for my body guy, um, Andy Camp, in Terre Haute, Indiana, who'd done a fantastic job to begin with. So uh, gave him some more work. Um, He's, you know, great and is already working on it to get it back uh, going. But I always say at the end of every podcast, I say, hey, keep the rubber side down. And I almost did not do that this weekend i did not take my own advice it was um uh in retrospect at the time it's not as much you're just trying to keep it going but any of you guys have done this if you ever have had a scary situation like that 
at the time, you're just trying to solve the problem. You're in uh, triage mode. But afterwards, you, you have to think, hey, it could have been much worse. And that was my case this time, is it could have been much, much worse. Um, if there was somebody in the other lane, if, if um, you know, I wasn't able to corral it just in time like I did, you know, it was up on two wheels for a second. So that was a problem because it wasn't the rear wheels. It was uh, the passenger side front and rear. So that that uh, is interesting. Um, but, hey, keep your safety gear up to date. Um, you know, I afterwards I noticed I'm like, you know, my jacket is old. It's got a rip in it. If, if the fuel would have caught fire and came through my um, cockpit, that could have been a problem because there is a small hole in that thing. I shouldn't have done that. I need to get that replaced. The same thing with the gloves and all the stuff. And I wear Hans device and, you know, don't legally have to at my speed, but I do. And just another reminder, hey, tell your family you love them. Take advantage of every day. Tomorrow is promised to no one. And uh, don't rush. Um, you know, just do all the stuff, and I'm talking to myself just as much as I'm talking to anybody else now at this point, but um, make sure that uh, all your safety gear is in place and that you're using it and that you're not uh, skimping on something because you need to get to the track that weekend because in an instant, things can go wrong. I was, uh, I'm usually pretty good at that stuff. For whatever reason, I got distracted in the moment, and um, I think I pinpointed that and just you know, for racer that was there, asked me a question at the perfect time. It disrupted my con conversation and uh, concentration, and then it became a problem. So, uh, you know, enjoy this, but uh, be safe out there. And, um, you know, it was it was hurtful for me. Um, you know, who needs a savings account anyway, to be fair? Like, who needs it? Like, uh, so we'll get the car back and going, but it just – it uh, does – make me say to everybody i i mean it when i say keep the rubber side down at the end of every episode do that because we all want to be safe have a bunch of fun and um you know get to do this the next weekend so uh that is the hot topic i'm sure we'll cover that in greater detail with some experts of the industry at a later show but um because i just went through it this weekend i wanted to bring it up one more time All right, let's put it in the beams. On with us now is the 2013 and 2014 Division Three Top Sportsman Champion. He is also a JEGS All-Star Top Sportsman Champion. He is the 2012 and 2016 Top Sportsman Sports Nationals Champ. He is a six-time NHRA Divisional Top Sportsman Champion and a four-time NHRA national event winner, uh, 2017 and 2019 in Charlotte. Um, welcome to the show from Avon, Ohio, Jerry Albert. Jerry, um, hey, where is Avon, Ohio, and how'd you get started in the sport? Uh, hi, Rex. How you doing? Um, Avon, Ohio is, uh, I call it, in between Norwalk, one of the greatest places on the planet Earth to race. And Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. So we're pretty much up by the lake. Lake's a couple miles away. So uh, that's where we're at. I like it. Um, well, tell us uh, a little bit about how you got started in drag racing. Well, uh, like a lot of 
younger guys do. Uh, I went to the racetrack as a little kid, you know, kicking around rocks, watching my dad race. And uh, he was an auto mechanic. So uh, I learned uh, my mechanical skills from him at an early age. And uh, that's how it all all began. I didn't do the traditional uh, hunting and fishing like a lot of uh, people do. Uh, You know, people listening to this show are mostly motorsports uh, enthusiasts. So um, that's how it all started at uh, probably the age of, uh, I don't know, I can probably remember three years old, four years old. And uh, here we are today. Right. And was Norwalk then your home track? Yes. Yes. I've, I was born and raised in Avon and uh, I am still there. Okay. All right. Great. And then um, you were bracket racing, I guess, for a while. Is that correct? That's how it all started. Yes. Uh, we built our first car. Uh, it was a rear half uh, mid 80s Camaro um, ladder bar car, big block. Started out going low 11s uh, with a 396 and uh, eventually put a 468 and the car would go 970s and we would run a class called Kofel's Place Comp at Norwalk. 999 and quicker was was the bracket. Okay. Quarter mile. And quicker. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you were running a lot of dragsters, and, you know, the, the a popularity of dragsters was just coming about in the 90s, so uh, still a good influx of door cars, not like now where there's a, a dragster everywhere you look, and then now they split them up. But, uh, yeah, that's how it all started. And then what was the transition then? You obviously at some point made a decision to run top sportsman um, instead of bracket race. What was the deciding factor? Um, well, after the rear half, our opportunity came up where I could trade that car and some money to, uh, uh, buy a tube chassis, uh, 91 Camaro. Okay. So, uh, I think I had a blower motor in there and I think he ran some high sevens with it or something like that. And, uh, I figured if I bought that and went high eights, I was all set. So we bought that, uh, did the whole refurbish on it, front to back, and uh, put my 468 in that, and it ran like, I think the best it ran on engine was uh, 875. So uh, race that for 94, 95, into 96. The quick 16s around this area were getting pretty popular uh, between Norwalk, Dragway 42, Quaker City, uh, Thompson. So we had a lot of options back then. And uh, then there went the NOS plate system. So uh, right. <laughs> that, and that started it all. <laughs> sure. And it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. I think uh, 96, we went out and won a quick 16 at Norwalk and, uh, I just love the nitrous. I didn't have to change torque converters. I'd turn on 400 horse on the plate, and it would go, uh, let's see, 776, I believe, was the fastest, mid-170 uh, mile an hour. So I could go quick 16 racing, and then I could go just Saturday night bracket racing and uh, turn it off and run on engine. So 
I like it. Like, and then was that the car? If I remember right, you had a big win um, at the Halloween Classic. Is that right? Uh, yeah, as far as yeah, Halloween Classic in '96, uh, 1,423 entries, five classifications. Uh, we won our class, which was comp. Five car runoff between the yeah, five car runoff, five classes. We won the runoff, and that came with a, a fair amount of prizes, uh, decent money. Um, I had started a uh, 604 Dart Big Chief engine then, okay, and uh, that helped me finish it. So I went on like, okay, I'm going to build this, and we're going to eventually go top sportsman racing, and uh, I'll make it a three-year project. Well, it turned into, after that went, it turned into about a one-year project, finances help and a couple parts that I needed and uh, we uh, dipped into top sportsman over at Leicester let's see let me butcher this Leicester everybody calls it a little bit different name but uh, Leicester New York okay so we we cruise over there uh, and we qualify with a 750 uh, and I thought that was you know that was the best thing in the world then Yep. And uh, I think I lost second round to Gary Bingham, big top sportsman name. Yep. And, uh, and uh, that was it. I was hooked. Uh, we did a couple more. Uh, after that one, I think we went to Stanton. And I think I've got beat first round. Yeah. And then we went to the World Nationals at home at Norwalk. And didn't qualify because Norwalk's always the, the fastest place to race these cars. And Absolutely. They just, they come out of the woodwork to race Norwalk. Um, so uh, a buddy of mine that raced with me a good 10 years, a fellow named Ray Tumbry, uh, it was just him and I that ran the car. Okay. And, uh, you know, he was bummed out. People were saying I was pointed left, pointed right, this, that, the other thing out of the groove. I told them, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do it good. So don't worry about it. It's only one race. Uh, We came back the following year, same car, and uh, at the end of the race, we're in the circle holding the trophy. I love it. Yeah, that's – I was just bit. You know, I was determined to to make it work and make it happen. And uh, you got that done, and um, and that was kind of the beginning of uh, what has been a, a tremendous run from you on the top sports inside. Um, but you said that was um, a 91 Camaro, is that right? And that's not what you run that's, today, that's is that right? Correct. Um, I run a – it's actually a 94 tag. I call it a 97 because the body styles are similar. Um it was actually built in 1994 for Mosier Engineering as a uh, Mountain Motor Pro Stock chassis. And it was one of the first uh, titanium, magnesium models. Um, back then, it was about 82000 just for the barrel. Okay. And uh, the, uh, I, I purchased it right off Mosier Engineering's showroom floor minimal runs uh they had their cut list at the same time it would fit the 1490 goodyear under it mm-hmm. and 
Uh, Rob, they limited amount of runs in pro stock with that car. And Rob ran it in a couple top sportsman cars with an automatic and uh, they decided to sell it. So for some reason, the national dragster got to us uh, like one or two days early. It must've went in the wrong mail slot. And uh, there it was right in the back of the dragster and called right away and told him I'd be out to get it. And uh, he had two other people behind me. If I didn't take it, they were going to take it sight unseen. So we go within two days, Mm -hmm. zip out there and see Greg. Uh, He sold us a car. It was exactly what he said it was and more. And uh, we debuted that in uh, late 2000, and it was great. I I put my driveline in, same tune-up, and instantly picked up two-tenths of a second. Uh, we were knocking on six seconds. Because that was one of the first titanium cars, right? That's what I'm told. Yeah. Every, yeah. They, they, all the stuff that they found out didn't work with uh, the titanium uh, wishbone, four-link bars, uh, stress areas. And then I still have the, the non-stress items, pedals, steering, like they do now. Um, but, yeah, it was it was all we needed. And, uh after getting things sorted out early 2001, we made a good run at it. It was, uh, <laughs> it just fit like a glove. We won Stanton. It, I think that was the end of July. And then the end of August, we won Norwalk. And, uh, back then between two top sportsman races, that was $25,000. Wow. You start thinking crazy things, then you think, wow, did I quit my job? (laughs) 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 A lot of people have had that thought, I'm pretty sure, over the years. And uh, some people uh, have success at uh, bracket racing, uh, big money bracket racing, and uh, what they do in the automotive industry. But, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. In all that time, you've you've been a nitrous guy. Oh, yeah, everyone. Yep. don't ask me what to run on motor. Okay. It's never been down. It has never been down the track in the top sportsman race on motor. So, and uh, no amount of uh, pro charger or blower um, success or speeds are going to creep into you for that. I drive one. I don't think I want to switch my program. Um, a, a good friend of mine. Uh, Actually, uh, father and son, that they have a lot of pro charger experience. The Johnsons. Um, oh yeah. They sure. yeah they have helped me out quite a bit with. It. Most recently, I switched to ComSync fuel injection. Okay. So uh, Ryan Mickey isn't always at the racetrack, so I can rely on them mm-hmm. uh, for some good advice. They've been using uh, ComSync systems for. Uh, Time goes faster than what you think. It's probably been almost ten years, right? So, uh, yeah, that's uh, so you're that's my latest. Yeah, so you're um, how many cubic inches you running? Currently, it's I run a 665 inch uh, par racing engine, Scott Duggins, single throttle body, uh, three systems of nitrous. Okay. So uh, 665, three kits, and uh, power glide. Is that right? 
Marco Abruzzi power glide um, and converter. Yeah, he's in your and neck of the, the woods. That makes sense. Yeah, Marco's hour and 20 minutes away, and I've known him since the 90s, and great guy. Uh, he's, his service is fast and easy, and he'll answer the phone uh, or a text if you have a question, and uh, it's just it's just smooth that way. I've been with a couple other companies, and there's a lot of good people building transmissions and building quality parts, but he's always taking care of me and his, his product has always uh, been uh, very good as you see. So uh, no problems there. So you've got the 665, the um, fuel injection, the nitrous uh, power glide in your 97 Camaro on race day. Who's, who's all helping you? Uh, make sure that thing gets down the track. The most important person of the whole operation, my wife, Tracy. And uh, <laughs> she, uh, she she loves it. Um, the, she's been caught after a couple wins. She's like, she goes about 5'3", and I think she can jump to 10'7". Uh, <laughs> 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 she's a so, jumper. Uh, yeah. Hand on the radio, screaming in the radio, jumping the the ten seven. <laughs> so uh, she's a she's she's really good. She uh, understands. She can navigate the computer. Um, she didn't come with any bad habits. I, I when I met Tracy in uh, two thousand ten, she was a motorsports enthusiast, but was never had the chance to be around it. And uh, I knew her, I think we were dating three months, and I took her to a, a race in St. Louis, um, national event in the spring. Okay. And five days, I'm thinking to myself, well, this will, this will make it or break it. <laughs> right. <laughs> she, she's either going to uh, be locked in or we'll never speak to each other again. And uh, so I go down there and. I'm I'm getting chased by Rick Corn. I look over, I look over, I I lift in the trap and he gets around me. And uh she comes down and she's all bummed out. I'm happy. Nothing I, we didn't break a thing, didn't I didn't have to work hard, got to spend quality time. Yeah. And <laughs> she comes down, she's bummed out. I'm like, hmm, this could work. <laughs> this could really work. So she's just uh she's she's been at it. Uh, any any challenge I throw at her, she's uh, she's up to the challenge. That, and, uh, that's a beautiful I, thing. I, I can't ask for anything more. And uh, also, uh, my dad, he's still active. He goes on occasion when he can. Uh, he's always there to help me in the shop, so that means a lot. Um, and uh, I call him before every every round. Uh, fortunately, with uh, all the live feeds now, mm-hmm. he, he can watch. Them the whole race so but i always call them every round yep now that's really cool uh given the fact that he was the inspiration and kind of drug you along like uh and i know the feeling so that's that's really really cool stuff um so that well and so you've got uh, the most important person uh in your corner which is uh which is good um and 
but let's let's talk a little bit about a track that you've had some wild success on here lately. Um, you just won the Charlotte event, um, but but you also won that in 2017. Why didn't you win it in 2018? Um, like what happened? We were actually uh, I I got comfortable with the fuel injection change um, because at first that that was tough. The MSD grid. I could. I didn't need any help. I did my own thing, timing curves, mm-hmm. uh, all the setups, and all the options that you have and features with the grid. Now I fall into this fuel injection. I am in kindergarten, so <laughs> we get the handle on it with a lot of help. I feel comfortable now to uh, venture out, do some uh, national event racing. And uh, we're heading down there. We get fuel at the Tamarack, uh, which is North Beckley, West Virginia. And uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna beat the storm and hurricane down there. If, if you remember, uh, there was some weather, so I had it all timed out. We get there two hours before it gets uh, heavy rain and wind, and all of a sudden the warning whistles are going off on overheat. Um, ultimately what happened was the water pump just decided to expire on my uh, diesel pusher. Uh. So we fortunately just made it to the toll booth. A uh, great friend, friend of mine, Keith Kelling came down, picked up my trailer when he came down actually to repair it. But, uh, it, we had to go to a repair facility. It's just something that couldn't happen roadside. Yeah. So he, uh, he takes my trailer and car home. We get a tow. We rent a minivan, load the dog up, our personal stuff, and we come home and uh, didn't get a chance to uh, defend. But uh, Z-Max Dragway is like a tie with Norwalk Dragway with me with with, uh, success. Um, I don't know what it is. I just think the place is magical. I I, I really enjoy it going there just there's certain tracks and every racer can tell you this it, it just clicks it works even if you didn't have a good race you still had fun um but the last three national events i've raced there i've won 13 of the 15 rounds and uh i just love it 13 of the last 15 at charlotte and it's been since 2016 since you last lost an elimination round there is that right correct Man, that is a heck of a run. You, you certainly deserve to like that track. Um, that's a, that's really really great stuff. Um, so what what's the rest of the season hold? You're uh, chasing Division three points, I guess, trying to go to U.S. Nationals. Um, I plan yes, I plan on racing at the U.S. Nationals. Um, before the U.S. Nationals, it uh, will be the Norwalk National. Oh. Um which that national event, I think they put us in in 2011. I've wrote, rewrote the book on ways to lose. So <laughs> I just about have that full, and maybe I can get lucky and eke into the final. I think I've, I've got the semis one time, hogging the finish line, breaking out, knowing that I was going to breaking out, and I just still talked myself into taking too much. Um. So, maybe, maybe, maybe this is a year. I don't know. 
Uh, it won't be from lack of effort. That's right. But uh, uh, so we have Norwalk, we have Indy, Sports Nationals, that'll be four nationals, and then um, St. Louis or Dallas. That's the only last two options after that. Right. Hopefully, I have a, hopefully I have a reason to go. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, we certainly wish you the best of luck the rest of the season. Thank you for coming on. Um, guys, if you are in Charlotte or in Norwalk and you see that yellow and black 97 Camaro pull up, um, you know, buckle up because you've got a tough competitor there. Uh, Jerry, thanks so much for coming on. Um, good luck the rest of the season. And if nothing else, we'll see you uh, at the big go in Indy. Hey, thanks a lot. And I'd just like to also uh, I thank a couple people too. Sure. Yeah. I, I would like to thank Mickey Thompson Tires and Jeg's High Performance and the Coughlin Brothers. Yep. Great family. Uh, great supporters. Have a lot of fun with those guys. Uh, they're all racers, uh, and 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 the and their kids. So, uh, good group to be around. And uh, just like the Mickey Thompson group, Tom Kundrick. Uh, again, thanks, Marco. Uh, thanks so much, Scott Duggins. Great piece. Good sealed up piece. And uh, it's 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 all the little things. Uh, and, and all those small efforts, uh, ComSync, Ryan Mickey, thanks a ton. Uh, it's and, and then you know, and then my racing friends local around here, uh, the Butchers, the Molnars, uh, the people I've raced with for uh, countless years. Uh, it just it just makes it a great time. And um, being a competitor, a lot of the times aren't always great, but you know. I don't know how many more years I'll do this, but I've learned to have a whole lot of fun, win or lose. Words to live by from the champ, Jerry Albert. Uh, thanks for coming on, and we will talk with you real soon. Good luck. Thanks, thanks Rick. Today's half-track report is presented by Double O Lights. Double O Lights is the only patented system for always cutting a double O light. Need a big win? Then you need a double O light. Some say it's cheating. It's not. It's the system. The double O light system. Go to doubleolights.com and cut double O lights every time. That is clearly not true. Um, the half track report today is presented by dragracelawyer.com. And boy, do we have... Some awesome stuff to talk about. Um, it, this has been a great weekend for our classes. Not good, great. And um, let's let's start with the national event in Virginia. So NHRA um, hosted an event in Virginia this weekend at the national event and had top dragster going on. So um, Chad Taylor gets the win over Junior Houston. Uh, Junior was triple O in the final, but went double O five under to break out. And so gives Chad trailer the win. Nice work there, Chad. The number one qualifier was Anthony Bertozzi at six fourteen five at 223 miles an hour. There were three qualifiers there. So those guys got after it. Um, and, uh, you know, congrats to Chad. Uh, the points leaders stay essentially the same, um, Ross Laris 
Aaron Stanfield, Anthony Bertozzi, the the names that have been up there all season. But uh, Chad Taylor does get the win, and um, they had a they had a great event there in Virginia. But the story, the big story of the week is uh, happened in Norwalk, Ohio, uh, the Division Three event there. We told you last week. We said, "Hey, this was going to be a a fast class." We had no idea. I had no idea. Um, what began as a muddy and ultimately very windy event produced the fastest quarter mile bump in top sportsman history ever. Um, the bump spot for top sportsman was six seven four nine was the bump spot. So that gives you the fastest bump ever. And uh, was was amazing. We knew we knew that when forty one cars show up, we know Norwalk is a great event, and the Baiters have that thing on kill, and they work very tirelessly to give the racers a great track and an event to compete in. Well, then when forty one people show up and the weather's all right, then let's go, let's have it. And so um, Brian Laflamme from Gilbert, Arizona. I need you to remember this from Gilbert, Arizona goes to Norwalk, Ohio, and runs a 619 with a 2 in Top Sportsman. So he's the number one qualifier with a 619 with a 2. Then Larry Cotley from Washington, Indiana, not quite as far as a trip, goes a 674-9 and is the number 32 qualifier. So let me put this in perspective for everybody right now. Pro Stock is in Virginia, and the bump for Pro Stock was 695. The bump for top sportsman in Norwalk is a 674.9. So I get it. Don't at me with the, hey, Rex, uh, you know, those were different events, different weather conditions, different all that. I get it. Don't, I get it. But the bump in pro stock was 695, and the bump in top sportsman was 674.9. That I don't know that that's ever happened before. I'm I'm trying to get verification, but I think that is the first time in history that the bump for a 32-car field top sportsman class has been lower than a 16-car field top sport or sorry pro stock class. That is unbelievable. It is exactly why the NHRA is bringing top sportsman and top dragster to the U.S. Nationals for the first time. It is unbelievable, and I absolutely love it. Um, now. The rain came before the final, so they did not get to finish it uh, in Norwalk, which is kind of kind of a shame because it was such a historic event. But um, Justin Sowers and Gary Wojnarowski will finish that final in Indy at the Division Three final over the Fourth of July. So uh, good luck to both of those guys, and uh, excited to see how that ultimately finishes that event. Um, the other thing they do at Norwalk, which is a really cool situation is they do what's called a fast four. So the four top qualifiers then run heads up, um, still with the 610 index, but they run heads up for a fast four championship. And I think the winner gets 500 bucks, which is, if we think about it, is kind of, again, how ProMod started. So we had, you know, the quick eight events and everybody's trying to go faster and faster. And finally, some said, hey, let's let's just go heads up. Let's go heads up. And that's what they do in Norwalk. It's kind of a side event, and I think it is really, really cool. So Lester Johnson uh, runs the Pro Charger and runs a 631 at 231 miles an hour for the win 
in the Fast Four event. So congrats to Lester, and um, nicely done for all of the top sportsman guys there at Norwalk this week. Um, on the top dragster side, oh, this was this was good. Now Norwalk is in northeastern Ohio, but uh, this one had a real God's Country feel to it. Um, Phil Oakley from Owensboro, Kentucky, um, runs a six ten with a six for a number one qualifying spot. Uh, but ultimately, it was J Big J B Strasweg from Evansville, Indiana, um, wins over Bradley Green in the final. He dials six thirteen and uh, wins that. So congrats to JB. He works very hard. And um, that was a heck of a field on the top dragster side as well. Um, They also have a fast four event as well. And as you would guess, Phil Oakley, uh, the number one qualifier, wins that one. He runs a 611 with a four at 226 to win that event. Um, Just a really, really cool event there in Norwalk. And um, man, historic historically fast fields and um we'll see if that carries over to the indy division three event um over the fourth of july uh there was also an event out at fontana for division seven um they they have a division out there and not to be outshadowed they they did some work out there as well so uh, Gary Ross goes number one, uh, 655 at 207 to be the number one qualifier in top sportsman in Fontana. And then a familiar name, Doug Krumlich, wins um, wins the event. Uh, he runs a 691 with an 8 at 198 miles an hour, defeats Richard Okerman um, in his 89 Beretta. Uh, and Richard runs a 708 with a 9. But uh, Doug Krumlich in his 63 Corvette, Gets the win out there, so he wins um, top sportsman and controls uh, some points out there in Division Seven. On the top dragster side, Denny Hills from Gilbert, Arizona, goes number one at six thirteen with a six at two twenty five. So, um, just again, Gilbert is Arizona, so let me come right back to that. But uh, the winner then is Denny Hills um, in his ninety five Yancer. Machine on the top dragster side, he goes 623 with a four at 215, defeats Cody Weber um, in his 13 race tech, um, who ran 693 at 193 miles an hour. So Denny is the number one qualifier and wins the event. So that means that Gilbert, Arizona is the town of the week. And we don't have a segment for this, but so think about this. Gary um, or Denny Hills and Brian LaFlamme both leave Gilbert, Arizona and go across the country to opposite events and qualify number one in their respective fields. So, I mean, hold on. Brian goes 2,075 miles from Gilbert, Arizona to Norwalk, Ohio. Denny Hills makes an easy trek, 437 miles. So the two of them go 2,512 total miles and qualify number one, both in top sportsman and top dragster, respectively, in the same weekend. So I don't know if those guys know each other. I don't know if they're uh, friends, buddies. But, uh, man, Gilbert, Arizona is dominating this week um, alongside uh, the Norwalk event. So congrats to those guys. Nicely done. We'll have to get them on to figure out what uh, 
what would possess Brian to uh, go over 2,000 miles for a divisional event? Um, and congrats to him for qualifying number one at the same time. So next week we've got um, a couple of uh, NHRA divisionals, Division One and Maple Grove. That's actually their first event of the year. And then we go to Tulsa for the Division Four event where we've got some familiar names um, that have been on this show that are competing. So um, we will have that for you next week after Memorial Day. All right, let's get out of the groove here a little bit uh, with Bracket Racer, Super Comp Racer, and the Renegade Fuel Tech Director, Ron Finney. Ron, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Rex. No, glad to have you. Hey, quick question. Um, first off, asking for a friend here, does the fuel go in the fuel cell or under your slicks? Well, most of the time it goes in the fuel cell, but yeah. uh, a good friend of mine has uh, tried a new approach with the under the cell, uh, but I'm not sure it worked out real well for him. It did not. I can uh, vouch for that guy. It did not work out well, <laughs> um, but uh, everybody's safe, and we'll figure it out next time. But uh, That's good to hear. <laughs> hey, uh, Ron, tell us um, tell us a little bit. Take us way back, and how would you get started in drag racing and, you know, where you grew up and how all that started? Well, probably like most of us, started playing with cars at an early age and uh, bought an old 327 for $25, drug it home, had my dad help me rebuild it. And we put it in my 69 Buick Special and put a four-speed behind it and thought I was hot stuff on the street and headed to the track. Um, I guess I would say fortunately, but maybe unfortunately, uh, we won the very first race we ever went to, and but it was down at Brown County Dragway, so... Not sure the track owner didn't help me out with that a little bit, kind of luring me in, because uh, obviously for the last 40 years I've been hooked. <laughs> so, that's all it takes. That is all it takes. It <laughs> I like it. Um, and certainly you've you've been at this a long time. Um, talk us through your racing operation, the stable of cars that you have right now. Okay, yeah, right now we uh, we have four cars. Three of them are up operational, one's in, uh, still in the building phase. Uh, run, right now I campaign a 240-inch uh, four-link super comp dragster uh, that also does double duty in the Jet Super Quick series. Mm-hmm. We have a 69 Buick GS that my son drives and uh, multiple-time Wally winner with it. Uh, way better bracket racer than I am. And uh, we run super gas now, super street, and brackets with it. Mm-hmm. And then I have the old trusty uh, 32 Bantam Malbert that I've won numerous events with and uh, Jets All-Stars and so forth. That we've uh, put back together and uh, going to hit the NDRL National uh, or the Drag Racing League uh, circuit this year with it. There you go. And then the last one's a foot brake S10. Uh, seems like everybody's got one, and looks like we're building one. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's a pretty good array of of cars. I mean, you've got the fast dragster, you've got um, you know a door car, you've got the altered. I mean, you've been doing this a long time in a lot of different ways. Um, it gives you a it gives you a really nice experience to draw from. Yeah, it does give you a lot of experience, and um, you know, some say, "Hey, you can't win this way; try it this way." And I think I've tried about every way, <laughs> still searching for that big one, I guess. Sure, sure. And um, well, tell the listeners what you do uh, for your day job right now. Okay, for my day job, um, actually, I'm a professor at Ivy Tech Community College of the Automotive Technology programs, and then I have a secondary job which is a little more relevant to what we play with, and that's I'm the tech director for Renegade Race Fuels. Okay. And um, so 
as the tech director, what is your primary uh, function? Yeah, basically, I handle all of the technical uh, calls, tech calls, tech assist with our racers nationwide. Um, I do field seminars. Uh, it's one of the big things our company does. That they uh, is what actually asked me to come on board with them to do the technical training because of my education background. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we do seminars throughout the U.S. trying to help racers understand fuels better. Uh, understand the properties and understand what makes them work, what doesn't work, you know, dispel some of the, the myths out there and, and just get people better educated so they make better choices and better choices they make, the better racing experience they have, and, and that's good for everybody. Agreed. And I do a lot of work with fuel development uh, for the company as well. Okay. So on that side of it, what is Renegade doing that is different from all the other guys out there? Well, basically, our one of our big uh, advantages is our fuels typically tend to burn cooler, they burn cleaner, and more consistent than our competitors. And, and the way we do that is we get a very complete burn out of the fuel, and, and there's no secret to fuels. I mean, and that's one of the things we talk about in the seminars. To make power, you got to burn fuel. And the more fuel you burn, the more power you're going to make. Um, the key is to getting all the fuel you put in totally consumed in the cylinder so that you're getting 100% of the power out. Now, you know, you can't get 100%, but the closer you can get to that, the more efficient the engine's going to be and the more power you're going to make, so it's going to go. Makes sense. Um, and on the specific to top dragster and top sportsman, is there a trend in fuel that uh, you're seeing? Are more people going uh, to methanol with the pro chargers and, and things like that? Are they staying with the high-octane fuel? What's What's the trend right now? Yeah, it actually seems to be kind of a balance. I mean, we've still got uh, the methanol guys uh, running the you know, root-style blowers. Or the, you know, the pro chargers, obviously, are the big movement now. Um, CNE85 come on the scene. You know, We do a leaded version of E85 called E112 that will handle just ridiculous amounts of boost. That's getting a lot more popular. Uh, but we still have a pretty good contingent on our nitrous fuels. And, uh, you know, they, uh, like Lynn Ellison, the 2017 NHRA world champion, uh, top dragster, runs the pro nitrous fuel mm-hmm. so uh, we see a pretty good balance of both still yeah so you've got specific fuels just for running nitrous versus naturally aspirated correct yeah with our prone uh, 120 we do a, a one a regular version and then we do a, a special blend for nitrous it has some proprietary additives in there to try to help reduce the nitrous implosion a little bit and add a little bit of lubricity back to the cylinder because the nitrous tends to dry it out gotcha gotcha and um I know you're also a distributor then, so do, do I get a free shot of whiskey with uh, when I buy a barrel? <laughs> well, you know, we might work on that if you buy enough fuel. We could probably work something out. So, uh, yeah, Indy Racing Fuels LLC is a company that we own here locally, and uh, certainly we like to work with all of our racers out there. So uh, we could probably work something out. On a funny note with that, um, our founder of Indy Racing Fuels, Toby Baptiste, you know, being a Kentucky-based company, um, he's actually looking at bringing out a single-barrel version of whiskey with the Renegade brand. Oh, wow. Okay. That's kind of one of his private uh, projects. Don't know that we'll see it. It might be a year or two yet, but uh, I think we will see it. So you might get that shot just yet. <laughs> I love that. I, You caught me completely off guard with that, and I love it. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let me see how I can get on the front of the line of that, if you don't mind, Ron. Yeah, you're the first, and your audience is the first to hear that news. So I love it. We're breaking news here, folks. We are breaking news with the Renegade Fuel and Whiskey 
um, distributor there. Um, hey, Ron, what is what's next for you and uh, your son and team? Who who all goes with you when you're when you take all these cars to the track? Who who's all your on your team? Yeah, typically uh, most of it's the wife and I and a few close friends that we run a, a group of cars. Uh, Rick Bailey, Dave Davis, David Pam Keener. Uh, Larry and Becky Turner. So we, we've got a group that kind of travel together to all the NHRA races. And, of course, my son makes the ones that he can make uh, around his job. So that that's usually pretty much comprises our team. And then a handful of friends come in and pitch in here and there. Yeah, that sounds good. What's uh, what's next on your schedule? Well, we're heading to Bowling Green tomorrow. So we're going to go down and run the Sports National and uh, do a little sip comp racing and double up with some uh, – Top drags or not top drags? I'm sorry. Super quick. Uh, yep. The Jig Super Quick Series is gonna be there on Saturday, so we're gonna hit it. Uh, I've got the backup motor in right now, so uh, we had to go. You know, using the baby motor, you got to feed it a bottle. So we uh, topped it off today, and <laughs> gonna go down and try to do some battles. There you go. Well, hey, we appreciate you stopping in, taking some time. Um, wish you well this weekend and the rest of the season. Guys, girls, that was Ron Finney, uh, the tech director at Renegade Fuels. Ron, thanks for coming on, and good luck. Thanks for having us, Rex. Anytime. As we hit the mile per hour cone now, um, just a couple things. So I want to know who out there is chasing qualifying points to run the u.s nationals uh, if you don't mind reach out let me know we want to follow your trek through this thing um i mean obviously it's the first time that uh, we're going to run our classes at the u.s nationals so if you're making that hunt if that is a goal of yours let me know um let's get you on let's talk about uh you know your trek or what you're doing to prepare for that um as an aside, just something kind of a housekeeping for the show. So our goal is we're going to have a live episode at the U.S. Nationals. So if you're coming to the U.S. Nationals, if you're listening to this, if you make time, we will get that information out to you. But we'll have a live episode at the U.S. Nationals. I'm really excited about that. Some guys behind the scene have been very uh, helpful and um, just uh you know, anxious to help this thing go, and we're going to do something kind of fun at the U.S. Nationals. We may um, do something similar, do a live event at the finals um, in Virginia for the PDRA event and potentially the finals in Dallas for the Midwest Pro Mod Series event as well. Um, going to try to work on that. I don't have that in stone just yet, but at the U.S. Nationals, we'll do a live event. We'll see how that works. I think it'll be a lot of fun, and um, let me know if you're going to chase that to try to be there um that that uh, the more the more we know in terms of who's going to be there the better off we are and the more highlight we can get um you know for the people that are chasing that way so let me know okay that is the show we took the stripe we got the wind light so that is episode number five it's been five weeks some of you are in you get it uh, some are just getting in now. That's okay. Uh, like I said, give it three weeks. You will get the cadence. It's a little bit different. That's how we roll. It's all right. Um, subscribe, uh, follow us. Let me know what there's a topic or a piece of tech you want to cover. We've got people coming in saying, Hey Rex, when can I get in? That is all good. Uh, but, uh, if we know there's something you really want to cover, then we'll do it. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at fast brackets. 
You can like the Facebook page, The Fast Brackets Podcast, or you can send me an email, fastbrackets at outlook.com. But that is it for episode number five. We've made a full pass. I hope you liked it. Please keep the rubber side down, keep your gas cap tight, and travel safe. This episode of the Fast Brackets podcast was presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. DragRaceLawyer.com, legal help on and off the track. Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com is a longtime drag racer with over 25 years of experience in small business to large corporate legal work. For all your high-powered legal needs, get DragRaceLawyer.com. Man, what'd you think? Um, well, I didn't like having to talk about uh, me putting him on the wall this weekend, but other than that, it was incredible. Jerry was awesome, and Ron, as always, is awesome and very, very knowledgeable. So the show was great, other than being just a little personally painful for me. What's it cost you to fix a car like that? I really don't want to talk about it. Oh, okay. Um, but it's just safe to say I do not have anything left in my savings account. <laughs> right, man. It was a good show, very entertaining. <laughs>